Welcome to sermons from First Alliance Church, equipping you to become a fully devoted and faithfully engaged disciple of Jesus. Here's today's message. My name is Tim Sridaren, and I'm one of the interim co-lead pastors here. And I'm just thankful that we can continue to worship together. Sometimes we worry about how things will finish. It might be as simple as a renovation in your house that you're working on, that you're 90% done, but you're just still wondering how this will conclude. For others of us, it might be our semester. We might be working through our schooling process. We've taken the long road, and we're almost there, but we still have our final exams or university acceptance in front of us. We're 90% complete, but we're still wondering how the last 10% will go. For others of us who've suffered injuries, whether knee or surgery, or for a hip or knee replacement, or gone through a sports injury, you know the rehab journey is long and tedious. It takes a long time to rebuild your strength and come back to normal. And some of us get almost all of the way there, but we still wonder and have those lingering doubts. Will I ever be 100% again? Will I ever return to the way I was? In life, it's easy to worry about how things will finish. For me, and this is kind of trite, but I still will share it with you. I am not very handy. I think I confess that a lot. My wife is much more capable than me, but I am still very cheap. So here's something I always try to do every year. Change my own snow tires. Why? Because I should just pay the $40 to do it for someone else to do it, but I want to save that money. And every year I do it and I'm terrified. Something seizes, a lug nut breaks, and I'm at Canadian Tire sourcing parts, and I have no clue what I'm doing, watching YouTube videos and just trying to work my way through this problem. Even on a good year, when I get three out of four tires on and I'm putting that fourth tire on, there's still this worry or angst in me about, will this actually work out? Will I drive off and my tire will just fall right off and roll down the street? And will I make it home? You know, we always, it's easy for us to worry about how things will finish. Maybe in your workplace right now, you've been rolling out a project, working on it for the last three months, six months, and it's about to launch, and you're just wondering, how will this go? Will it finish well? For others of us, we may have a conflict in our life that we've been working out with a family member or a friend or a boss, and it's almost been resolved, but we wonder how things will conclude. And on a more serious note, some of us have been journeying with people who are moving toward the end of their life. And the 90% of their life has been a life well lived, but they are just wondering, and you are wondering, how will this end? Will it be painful? Will it be difficult? And there's always this lingering doubt about how things will conclude. Today, as we are diving into the book of, continuing in our series on Romans, and as we are in Romans chapter 5, I hope we will be able to look back at the amazing work of reconciliation that God has done for us, and then be encouraged that he will carry us forward through the rest of the journey. For those who are new, whether online or in person, we are glad that you are here with us. If you are exploring Christianity or asking questions, if you call us yourself a skeptic, I just want to say welcome. And thank you for giving us your time. We hope that today, as we spend time in Scripture, you'll understand a little bit more about what we believe as Christians and who we understand Jesus to be. So before I read our Scripture for today, let me just open us in prayer. Father, thank you for this day, and we thank you for the work of reconciliation you have done in this world between, uh, through your son Jesus, for humanity. And uh, Holy Spirit, we invite you today, and we ask you to continue to just illumine our hearts and minds that we may see Christ and glorify the Father, and help us to understand how we have been justified by your blood and what that means to our life. 
So help us to see how reconciliation is hope for us, not only in just knowing you, but carrying us on in this journey of walking in the faith until you call us home. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We love scripture here. So if you have your Bible, whether online or here in person, feel free to grab one of those blue pew Bibles in front of you. We are on page 914. I'll be reading from Romans chapter 5. And I just invite you to keep your Bible open in front of you. We're going to keep going back to the scripture because one thing we believe here that is important is that scripture is God's word and it speaks to us. And you don't have to believe what I say, but look at the scripture and look what the Holy Spirit will speak to you through God's word. So reading today is from Romans chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. Since we, have been, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The word of the Lord. Our main thought that we're going to be focusing upon today is this, is this idea what in, at the end of verse 10, that we are saved through his life. We are saved through his life, but in order to get there, we have to understand what the Bible is talking about when it talks about reconciliation. Now, just a question for you. Reconciliation is a, a, a hot topic word in this day and era. I just ask everyone here, when you think of reconciliation, what comes to mind? Feel free to just yell your answers out loud. Forgiveness, great. Sorry, sit. Make peace, yeah. Anyone else? Restoring relationships, yeah. I mean, reconciliation in so many ways. I think of, when I think of reconciliation in the modern context, I think of truth and reconciliation. We had our National Day of Truth and Reconciliation uh, in September. I think of racial reconciliation. And a huge piece of reconciliation that was big for me, especially growing up, was apartheid in South Africa. And what it means to take a broken community uh, who is hurt, wounded, and, and damaged and bring them back together in reconciliation. Even on the small scale, we think of relationships and marriages and how important reconciliation is. You know, all of these ideas are important. But here's something incredible. The idea of reconciliation from Scripture is actually even a bigger idea than any of the things I've mentioned. And the reason is, it's because it's a story about God and his relationship with humanity. So today I want to look at three things as we dive into Scripture. I want to see, explore what does the Bible mean by reconciliation? What is the significance of reconciliation? And finally, how does it actually impact our lives? Starting in verse 9, you see this beautiful text, since we have now been justified by his blood. What an amazing phrase, justified by his blood. And what the Apostle Paul, who's the writer of this gospel, of this book of the Bible, is calling us to is to recall what he's been speaking about in the previous four chapters. I'm really thankful to Colin Smith for this simple definition. When God... Oh, all right. 
I think I skipped over my slides. All right. There we go. Sorry about that. Simple definition of justification. When God justifies, what he's doing is he's declaring or pronouncing a person to be righteous. When God justifies, he declares or pronounces a person to be righteous. And how does he do this? Well, it's through the blood of Jesus. That's where this text begins. Since we have now been justified, that God is declaring or pronouncing a person righteous, this happens through the blood of Jesus. And for those who know the simple story of Scripture is that it is about a God who created this world, created humankind in his image, yet when we chose to rebel against the God of the universe, sin broke into this world. And sin brought along with it the consequences of death, pain, hurt, separation from God. And all the brokenness and all the pain that we experience is a consequence of sin. Yet Jesus, in his great love for humankind, what did he do? He came to this earth, died on the cross, and carried upon himself the consequences and the weight of sin so that through his death and resurrection, we could be reconciled to the God of the universe through his blood. This is what Paul is referring to when he says we have been justified through his blood. We have been pronounced or declared righteous, not because of anything we have done, but because what God has done for us through his son. And that's what we've seen in Romans chapter 1 to 4, this beautiful story of scripture. There's even an image that's used throughout scripture. We see it in the book of Hebrews that comes from the Old Testament, and it's this day of atonement. The high priest for the Israelite people would take a sacrifice, and, and, and take the blood of an animal and sacrifice it on behalf of all the people and himself as a sin offering. Yet the priest would have to do this year after year because there was no way that the priest could find a permanent solution to the problem of sin. A, that, that day of atonement, Yom Kippur, points to a couple things. That the, the blood sacrificed is kind of a sign or a hope for the future. And that hope could only both be fulfilled in someone else. And that was the person of Jesus Christ. We have been justified by his blood. We have been declared. When God justifies, he declares or pronounces a person to be righteous. As we continue in verse 10. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through his, the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life. The idea of sin here, because of sin, we were God's enemies. That's an amazing uh, claim by Paul. But because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we are considered friends. Now, I don't know about you, but most people I know who are enemies, it's hard to picture them one day as friends. Even if they go through a reconciliation process, the best I hope for personally is like they can be, they can coexist, they can live together. You know, it's hard to picture someone like, you know, leaders of countries like Donald Trump and, uh, you know, Vladimir Putin hanging out together. Actually, that's maybe not a great example. Let's go with Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin and everything going on in Ukraine right now. It's hard to picture those two men sitting down at a cottage, having a drink together and enjoying their weekend. And even in Canada, it's the same thing. I know Aaron O'Toole's been tossed out, but you can't picture, you know, Jagmeet Singh, O'Toole, and Trudeau all hanging out together, uh, just being all chummy, not for the cameras, but just because they actually love each other. If you watch TV, if you watch the news, it feels like they are enemies, and they're always at each other's throats. It's hard to imagine them as friends. 
Reconciliation, here it is, on a cosmic scale, is about Jesus making a way for us broken humans to be in relationship with God. Us humans can't even do this act of reconciliation. It's so hard and difficult for us to even love the people who we, who we despise or we, who think differently than us or who we consider our enemies. And here's the God of the universe. When we turned our back on him and spat in his face, yet in his great love, he sent his son Jesus to reconcile uh, as, as, as a gift uh, who died on the cross to reconcile us to the God of the universe through his death and resurrection. We are reconciled because we have been justified by his blood. You know, even in this world, when we see those moments of healing and reconciliation, whether it, it's, you know, in South Africa or the Nuremberg trials or different things over history that have brought reconciliation and conclusion to different groups, even when we see a couple on the brink of divorce and they're able to go through counseling and prayer and friends are able to journey with them and they're able to reconcile in their marriage and grow stronger into the future, we're excited and thankful. When we see someone who, like a father on their deathbed, confess to their child and begin that process of reconciliation, it's a beautiful thing. But the reality for humankind is our situation was so far gone that we couldn't do anything. And that's really important to remember. Our situation was so far gone that we couldn't do anything to restore our relationship with the God of the universe. So it took him and his loving kindness to step out and make a way for us to be reconciled with God. We are reconciled because we have been justified by his blood. So I guess the question that we ask from here, so great, this is a good theological concept. What is its significance? Well, if Paul has been spending the time in Romans 1 to 4 explaining what justification through his blood means, the question that he's asking, that he's, people are asking him, the Roman, he's writing to the Roman church from chapter 5 onwards is, since we have been justified by his blood, how do we continue to live our life in Christ? The question that's being asked in chapter 5 onwards, which we're tackling in the series, is since we have been justified by his blood, how do we continue to live our lives in Christ? You know, when we think of reconciliation, we think theologically, we think of salvation. We think of it as a starting point. We were separated from God. God sent his son. This work through his son allows us to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And that's true. But it's a starting point for something much bigger. Let's look at our text in verse 9 and 10. I just want to take a moment, because if we love talking about manuscript studies. We love small groups. And one of the things we love doing in our small groups is asking people to dive into the text and explore it themselves. And something you can do on your own, your own quiet time or in your small group is whenever you're reading a text, we ask two things. What questions are you asking of this text? And what observations are you making? And one of the best things to note for observations is what are common patterns you see over and over again? And there's one here in verse 9 and 10, and it's this phrase, how much more? Let's read it together. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? This idea of how much more is simply this. If A has already happened, how much more will B definitely happen? 
if I've already taken you from here, how much more will I help you carry on the journey? I'm thankful to N.T. Wright, and he kind of gives this illustration in one of his books about Romans. If you wanted to climb a mountain and you love climbing mountains, you would train, you would work hard, you buy the right shoes, the right equipment, you get ready, and you would start climbing that mountain. And as you worked your way up this mountain, uh, you would go through these tough sections. Sometimes you would do a 90-degree angle free climb, and it would be terrifying, but you would get higher and higher. And say you get to the ledge of the 90% mark, and you pull yourself over the top. And ahead of you, to the top of the mountain, is a nice grass, grassy green knoll, gentle slope that went up and up. Let me ask you a question. If that's all it took to get to the top of the mountain after all that work that you've done, would you quit? Would you quit? No, because you're almost there. And what, what, God is, what, what uh, Paul is trying to show us here, if God has done all the work for us, <laughs> by sending his son to die on the cross, to, to that he is now able to de uh, declare or pronounce us to be righteous because we have been justified by the blood of Christ. How much more will he make sure that we continue on in Christ? Let me put it a different way. If, if for those who are familiar with like international adoption processes, you know they are long and they can be cumbersome. It takes a lot of money and resources. Sometimes you fly to the country, you meet, uh, a parent would meet their child, for the first time, and then they would fly back home. They're working with lawyers, working with two different government systems, and then eventually you would go to the orphanage on that special day. You would meet your child, and you would take your child home, and you bring your child home. Here's just how this how much more works. After a parent or parents have gone through all that effort to bring that child into their family, how much more will they try their hardest to give that child a good life? And if a doctor rehabilitated a patient who was almost dead back to 90% health, how much more would they ensure that patient was able to return to full health? If a firefighting crew came to a house and it was, it was on fire and it was about to burn down the entire town and they were able to control that fire down to the last 10%, how much more would they ensure that they put out the last 10% so the village would be safe and secure? And that's what Jesus is saying, Paul is saying here that Jesus does with us. If God has done so much for us already, is if he's gone, to, sent his son to die on the cross so that we can be justified through his blood, how much more will he carry us on in this difficult journey of life to the end? If God has justified us through the blood of his son, how much more will he carry us through the rest of the journey? I think to understand that in its fullness, I just want to take a step back to chapter 5, verse 8. This is a powerful verse that we had from last week's text, and it simply reads, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Two things. Why did God do this? He was demonstrating his love for us. When we turned our back on him, when we weren't even seeking after him, God in his great love sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us so that we could be reconciled with the God of the universe. That is love. Secondly, who initiates this work? While we were still sinners, while we were utterly and absolutely helpless and couldn't do anything to save ourselves, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8 shows us something about the character and nature of God. 
This is a God who loves you. This is a God who cares about you and pursues you and loves you with all his heart. And he's initiated a work to draw you back to himself through his son, not because of anything we merited or deserved, but because of his grace and kindness and love. So what does that mean? I think it means something like this. I think people always say, a sermon has to do the work in the preacher before it can be preached. And this week, um, this week was an interesting week. I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been praying for my dad. I'm very thankful. Um, he's off a feeding tube. He's able to breathe by himself, and he's slowly getting better. But one of the difficult things that happened in our family is my dad's brother actually passed away. And I went to the funeral this week, and that was, that was a difficult thing because my dad's brother was not a Christian. This is someone we've prayed for for decades, crying out to God, asking for him to know Jesus. And we've tried, and we've shared, and you know, you just don't know where someone is at the end of their life, even after you've shared Jesus with them. And I have to say, it was a difficult week just to think, I was asking questions, I was feeling discouraged in this journey of faith. Like, God, you know, like, I've been asking, we've been, we've been praying for him for decades, for over half my life, and my dad's probably even longer. Yet, what are you doing, Jesus? I don't, I don't know how to move forward in these moments. And the goodness of the gospel is this. When I remember this text, I basically see a God who has done so much for me already that he's not going to give up on me yet, even though I feel like giving up. Even though we feel like quitting and giving up, or we don't know if we have the strength to continue, this is the thing about our God. He pursues us before we even pursue him. He loves us, and he sent his son to die for us before we did anything that you know, would merit that. It's incredible to think that because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, Jesus, God can declare or pronounce us righteous not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done for us. And so as I thought about what Jesus has done for me this week, and as I felt discouraged, and as I've been wrestling through that, Jesus just gave me a freshness of life this week. It's reminding me of the reconciliation, the work of reconciliation that he has already done, and the simple words, I've already taken you this far. I'm going to carry you through to the end. So just cling to me and abide in me. My word of encouragement for you is simply this. Whatever you are going through in your life, as you are journeying in your Christian walk, and whether you, are, you, ha- you have questions, your kids aren't walking with the Lord, you're wondering about your own financial security, you're questioning the faith, you're experiencing stress or mental health struggles or just personal struggles in your own life or things you can't even explain or share with others, I just want you to know that the God who saved you through his initiating act of love will also carry you to the end. So cling to him and hold fast to him. If God has justified us through the blood of his son, how much more will he carry us through the rest of the journey? This is why we can joyfully say we, we are saved through his life. Not just salvation, but sanctification until glorification. This whole Christian life is a God's work and gift to us as he makes us more like himself. So what do we do? What do we do as God's people? 
You know what we do? We rejoice. We rejoice and thank God for what he's done for us. We praise and we worship and just set aside time to give thanks and remember. I also want to encourage you to take a moment to stop and surrender. Whatever the challenges that you're experiencing, I encourage you to share that with others. Share that with your small group friends. Have people pray for you and ask to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit so you can continue on in this journey and experience the gift that God has given us through the Spirit. Take a moment to stop and surrender. And even right now, if you need to, just jot it down or write down or surrender to him the thing that you need to surrender to him. And then, just like the Israelites, look back on his faithfulness so that it'll carry you forward. Think and reflect upon all the ways God has been there in the past. The way he's been there, not just for you, but for your parents, your family, your friends, for your church and your community. Write those down and hold them close. Put them on your fridge. Do whatever you need to remember them. Because the God who has justified us through the blood of his son, how much more will he carry us through the rest of the journey? Look back on his faithfulness and may that carry you forward. The God who loved us and reconciled us to himself through the blood of Jesus will certainly continue to carry us forward as we cling to him. That is why with joy we can declare, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Let me pray. Father, we, we thank you that we are saved through your life. We thank you for those who have put their faith and trust in you because of what you have done on the cross. Experience the joy of salvation, but they also experience the joy of walking alongside a God who will carry them forward in times of uncertainty. So come, Holy Spirit, may we see more of Christ. May you speak to each of us individually, whether here in person or at home, and may we see and be encouraged that you have never let us go and you are walking with us. You are the God who loved us and reconciled us uh, to yourself through the blood of Jesus, and you will carry us forward. So we pray that we will experience that deeply and richly in the weeks to come. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more on us as a church and ways to connect, please visit us online at firstalliancechurch.org.